How many of you have a desire to grow? So tonight I want to speak a message like that to you. Acts chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1. And when you have it, say, accelerate the vision. Ooh, that was good. It reads this way. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. Somebody say, kept back. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? He said, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you have lied to who? Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and he breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young man arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. So then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? He said, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at your door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, and she also breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Tonight, before you're seated, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor... It's dangerous to hold back. Give them a high five and you can go ahead and be seated. Some of you are scared right now. What's he going to speak about? Tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject of leaders who accelerate the vision. Leaders who accelerate division. Are there any leaders in the house tonight? The story that we read in the book of Acts is one that I always kind of struggled with in understanding what it was all about. There are certain scriptures in the Bible that actually throughout my walk with God that I've read that I really struggled with understanding. Have you ever been there? Certain scriptures that no matter how many times you read them, you never really get the full understanding of what they're trying to say to you. But it wasn't until I became a pastor that this scripture started to make sense to me. We see that Ananias and Sapphira, they had sold a piece of land. And instead of giving what was right, they withheld some for themselves secretly they had the power to do the right thing look at your neighbor and tell them you have the power it's in your hand you've got the power but instead of doing what was right they withheld some of it for themselves and what made it bad is that they lied about it if there was a lesson that we could learn from this portion of scripture is this, is that it's dangerous to hold back from God. Say that with me. Say, it's dangerous to hold back from God. What happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Sapphira. We find that they breathed their last. <laughs> and, and to put it nicely, but basically they died on the spot. <laughs> Drop dead. Croaked. Kick the bucket. Come on, somebody. They breathe their last. And by doing away with Ananias and Sapphira, I want you to hear this. By doing away with this couple, we find that God was protecting the spirit that was on the church. See, I didn't understand that before until I became a pastor. 
And I begin to understand that every church has a spirit. Should I say it again? Every church has a certain anointing. Every church has a spirit. And what kind of spirit did the early church have? We find that when you read about the church in the book of Acts, there was a spirit of explosion on the church. There was an excitement. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they shared in all things. Many people were selling their belongings and giving it to the house of the Lord because they had a vision for the vision to be accelerated. There was an excitement about it. Nobody was doing anything grudgingly. And what we find is that explosion was taking place. And we find that whenever there's going to be an explosion, the key to that explosion is always the leadership of the church. Ananias and Sapphira were leaders. But they were leaders who were holding back. Somebody say, well, well, well. The victory of our churches. How many of you love your church? How many of you love your pastor? How many love this vision? The victory of our churches rises and falls on the willingness of our leadership. See, our vision, the vision of Victory Outreach demands leadership. If we're going to reach this world, there's a demand that is placed on our leadership. And Pastor Sonny and the eldership and now the multi-regional pastors, when we begin to get together, what, would he, what are we doing? We're always strategizing on how we can begin to raise up men and women in the church who can do two things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we want, we want men and women who understand that God has placed a calling upon their life, listen, to answer the call into the ministry, to answer the call of God into the ministry and into the ministry of Victory Outreach. Listen, if you go to a Victory Outreach church, understand that we're going to talk to you about the calling of God. If you come to Victor Outreach Church and you say, man, they're always talking about the calling and they're always talking about the vision and it bothers you, you know what? You're in the wrong church because we're not going to pull back on the message. We believe that God has given us a vision and God has given us a calling and God wants to raise up leaders in our midst. Is there anyone here today that knows that you have been called by God? You've been called by God. See, God is looking for those of you here tonight that will take the calling of God seriously within their life. Should I put it this way? God's not looking for people who are playing games in the house of the Lord. God is looking for people that know they've been called and are taking the calling of God seriously in their life. How do you know someone is taking the call of God seriously? I'll tell you how. They're always preparing. They're always in a place of preparation. Now, I shouldn't get too hard on you tonight because many of you, almost all of you, came a mighty long way to be here tonight. And you didn't come here just for the goosebumps. You didn't come here just to get hyped up. You didn't get, come here just to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You came here tonight because you are preparing for what God wants to do through you. How many of you believe God wants to use your life? So we're always strategizing on how we can raise up leaders that understand that there's a calling in their life. Look at your and say, God's called you. But secondly, we, wanna, we want leaders who can see the future of the ministry of Victory Outreach. We need leaders who are futuristic leaders. We need leaders that can see the future of what God wants to do in our ministry, not only here locally, but wants to do in our ministry all over the world. And how many know that the vision that God has given us is not just a local vision? It's not just about San Diego. It's not just about your city. It's not just about our county. You heard our pastor on that video. God has given us the inner cities of the world. And what do we need? Let me, let me say it this way. We need some leaders that are going to break out of their box. 
We need some leaders that are excited about the future of Victory Outreach, are, can dream with us, can be get, be get behind their pastors and say, Pastor, I see what you see. I feel what you feel. I know what you're going through. It keeps me up at night. It keeps me, gets me up early in the morning. The same vision that is in your heart is the vision that is in my heart as well. See, we need some leaders who are going to rise up and understand that we've been given a, a window of opportunity. We are in a time where I believe that God is choosing a new generation. You know, I believe God's choosing a new generation. We're, we're in a unique time in our ministry. I don't know if you've noticed that there's a lot of young people that are getting turned on by the power of God. They're catching the vision. And I've been listening to a lot of the old cassettes. Some of you young people don't know what cassettes are. But I've been listening to a lot of the old preaching cassettes in Victory Outreach from the 80s and the 90s, even to the early 2000s. And there's an urgency in the voice of our spiritual father that are saying, that are saying now is the time to move. Now is the time to do great things for God. Now is the time to get involved in the vision. And I want to let you know we're in times just like that. The only difference is that many of our spiritual fathers have gone on to be with the Lord. They've heard those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. They've crossed into glory. They've received their reward. But guess what? The work here on earth is not complete. And God is raising up the now generation. He's raising up young people. Come on, gang. Get behind this word tonight. See, God wants to raise a people here tonight that you yourself would be willing to be a spiritual father. But before you can be a spiritual father, you've got to learn how to be a spiritual son. Before you learn to be a spiritual mother and say, well, these are my disciples, you've got to learn how to be a spiritual daughter. Tell your neighbor, it's time for us to rise up. See, when we think about accelerating the vision, are you guys into this tonight? You guys getting some? How about in the back? You guys alive back there? I see you guys. Amen. When we think about accelerating the vision, we may not know how to do everything. I think you got to be careful about the people that know how to, they claim to know how to do everything. They always have the answers. I think you got to be careful about those independent leaders that, you know, they're always the big dog. And everybody bows down and kisses their ring. And they're like Yoda. Come on, somebody. And they have, the force is with them. We don't have all the answers. One person is not smarter than everybody working together. And you know what? If we're going to, we may not know everything and how to accelerate the vision, but there's one thing we do know is we know how to hinder the vision. We may not know what's going to accelerate the vision in every way, but if you have any experience, you know there are certain things that will hinder us from getting the vision to accelerate and getting the vision to the next level. That was the problem with Ananias and Sapphira and why God had to remove them because instead of accelerating the vision, they were hindering the vision. Ooh, this is good preaching right here. It's when, le what, what hinders the vision? It's when leaders hold back. We may not have all the answers of how to go forward, but one thing we know is that we can't take the world with leaders that are holding back tonight. We can't, Take the world with leaders that are holding back for themselves. Now, why do some leaders hold back? Let me give you three reasons very quick, and then I'll get into the message. Number one, leaders hold back because of the fear of the future. The fear of the future. In other words, fear. Leaders hold back because they're afraid. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my marriage? Is there going to be any finances? Is God going to meet my needs? Am I going to make it? Am I going to be successful? Listen, friend, one thing I've learned is you may not know what the future holds, but you can know who holds the future and know that if God called you, he will provide for your every need. You see, the problem with fear is that fear is a gripping emotion. In Disneyland, we love to go on Space Mountain. It's one of our favorite rides. You always save it for the last. Who saves it for the last? Who goes on it first? Oh, I don't like you. Who goes on it last? 
That's the grand finale, man. Save it for the end. When it's dark and cold and your kids are tired. <laughs> and when you go on Space Mountain, man, after they take that picture, come on, somebody. And you see two types of people. Those that are holding on for dear life. And they look afraid and they're like, look like they're going to throw up. Come on, somebody. But then you're like me. I'm not one of those ones that holds on from the very beginning of the ride. Come on, somebody. And I love when they added music to it. How many know there's music on it now? They play this crazy music. When we were kids, they didn't have music. But when that, that, you're going through that tunnel, going up Space Mountain, come on now. You're, you're, you're hyped up. You're excited to start playing that music. You're like, ooh, getting out. The first thing I do, instead of holding tight, I lift up my hand. And I keep my hands up. I don't care. I'm 41 years old. But when you look at that picture, I'm not holding on. I'm lifting up my hands because I know who is in control of my future. I have no reason to be afraid. If he has called me, he will provide for me. If he has chosen me, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Come on and say amen and praise the Lord. The second reason leaders hold back, age. You didn't see that coming, did you? Age. Some people say, I can't do it because I'm too old. I'm too old. And you've already got your rocking chair picked out. Come on, somebody. You got your rocking chair picked out. It's already right there. Already going to be rocking that sucker. Amen. Those comfortable slippers, that big old fat remote control. But I came to tell you something. That's not how God called us to finish the race. And I know there could be some leaders in here that you've been doing it for a mighty long time and you've been through a lot of stuff. I know that you are battle tested. But what I'm praying for you is that a new anointing will come upon your life and you will get back into the battle. Get, come on, somebody. Get back in the battle. Get back in the war. We need you. If you're still breathing air and you haven't gone on the be with the Lord that must mean that the Lord still wants to use your voice he still wants to use your gifting he still wants to use your talent touch someone and tell them you're not too old you gotta look at some of these young people and tell them man just because there's snow on the roof doesn't mean there's not a fire in the kitchen I saw something on Instagram the other day. These two guys were boxing in a ring, an old man versus a young man. How many saw that? Man, that old man put it on that young guy and knocked him out cold. We've got some warriors in this place that you still have the calling. Woo. So people say, I can't because I'm too young. I'm too young. I'm too cute. I don't want to chip a nail. I don't want to, you know, let go of my Xbox. You know, I think back when we started, my wife and I, and it's weird to be able to tell these stories, but to be honest with you, we started out pretty young. We were married when we were 22 years old and got launched out when I was 24 years old. And she was only 17. No, that's a lie. She wasn't 17, <laughs> but she was. <laughs> All I'm saying is we're still young. She was actually the same age as me. But you know, the thing is, is that we were young. We were young and we're willing. And yes, we didn't have it all together. And we didn't have all the answers. I think when we started the training center, to be honest with you, we didn't know what in the world we were doing. But we had a willingness. 
and we would listen to that scripture and listen to the messages like on tonight where they were saying, you know, you're not too young to do something great for God. Don't let anyone despise your youth. And I've got a word for some of you young people out there. God can use you no matter your age. You might be 17. You might be 18. You might be 20 years old. Just as long as you take your calling seriously and you keep on preparing, there's no limit to what God can do in your life are there any young people in God's anointed now generation why did leaders hold back now the third reason leaders sometimes hold back which was the case of Ananias and Sapphira was not fear of the future it could have been fear of the future could have been age but thirdly some people hold back because their motives are wrong Their motives are wrong. It's amazing how many leaders are in the house of the Lord with wrong motives. You didn't see that one coming, did you? You're like, ooh, man, he's swinging. They only move forward when there's something in it for them. I'll do it if I can marry her. I'll do it if I get to preach. I'll do it if I make this much money. I'll do it if you put me on the flyer. But if I'm not speaking, I'm on the flyer, I ain't going to go. Your motives will be revealed. I'll say it again. Your motives will be revealed. And so many people, you know, even sometimes I see... Some of these young people coming up, you know, they, they want you right away to give them a title. Give me a title. Give me a title. Okay, you're the toilet cleaner. That's your official nickname. That's your title. You're the, you clean the toilets. Give me a title. Park the cars. Give me a title. Serve some coffee. Give me a title. Work with the children. We need some young people that aren't going to be in it for the title. That aren't going to be in it for the fame. That aren't going to be in it for the glory. But understand that there's a calling of God upon their life. And you don't need a title to have an anointing. You don't need a title to be effective in the things of God. People say, oh, you're a multi-regional pastor. They start bowing down. Get out of here with all that, man. Just... Just don't call me late for the rapture. I'm a servant of God. I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm an inner city pastor in the ministry of victory outreach. Come on, somebody. I'm just a servant that wants to answer the call of God upon his life. And we need some leaders that are going to get in this thing for the right reason. Some of you are mad at me right now. pastor no no not me what are your motives when you see the ministry do you see do you see a platform or do you see hurting people I'm gonna get off my notes for a second one time I was directing the UTC and we were talking about vision and talking about you know personal vision I had this young man he, you know he, he was really kind of an arrogant guy you know and he came up to me and he said, Pastor, God spoke to me last night in a dream. I said, tell me about your dream. He goes, I saw myself preaching in front of thousands of people. I said, that's not God, bro. I said, what did the people look like? He goes, I don't know. I said, go back and pray and don't come talk to me until you see the faces that God has called you to minister to. It's not about you, bro. It's not about you, and it's not about you, sisters. Not about you and your opportunity. And thank God for the opportunity. No, 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 opportunity. It's not about opportunity. It's about answering the call of God within your life. Can I talk to you like this tonight? 
Come on, give the Lord a good praise here today. I want to move very quickly. As we look to the future, we need to look for certain types of leaders in our region. How many of you want to grow? How many of you want to be used by God? Okay, number one, we need to look for those leaders who are developing in their character. Now, tonight, I, I feel like discipling. Is that okay? I feel like doing a little bit of discipleship tonight. But number one, if you're taking notes, we need to look for those leaders who are developing in their character. Because so many times when we look at people, we look at their, we look at their gifting and we look at their talent. And let me tell you something about our ministry. There's a lot of gifted people, a lot of talented people in our ministry. But sometimes we don't look at the quality of their leadership. You know what we need in our ministry? Yes, we need gifting, and yes, we need talent. But more than that, we need leaders with spiritual backbone. We need leaders that are people of character. And I want to tell you something that this doesn't happen overnight. Say this with me. Say, it takes time. Sometimes it takes years in order to develop. And what I want to say to you tonight, Victory Outreach, San Diego County region, is that every victory and every failure is something that is shaping you into the person that God has called you to be. You want to know the quality of a leader, the quality of a person? The quality of a person is not determined by how they handle the victories. Anyone can serve God when they're on the mountaintop. Anyone can serve God when there's money in the bank. Anyone can serve God when you're in that right position and right that place. So you don't discover a man's quality determined by how he handles the victory. You discover his quality by how he handles times of defeat and how he or she handles time of struggle. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you had a tough year this year? How many of you had a tough year maybe in the past? You know what it is to go through tough times. You know what it is to go through struggles. Well, you can look at it in a positive way because God is using those things to develop you and develop your character and make you into the leader that he needs in the ministry of Victory Outreach. But understand that it's going to take time to grow. I've got a question for you tonight. Do you want to be a mushroom or do you want to be an oak tree? You said mushrooms? No, don't take mushrooms. Some of the home was like, what? You know, it only takes a mushroom six days to grow. A mushroom springs up in six days. But it takes an oak tree 60 years to grow. 60 years. And I came to tell you tonight that there are two types of people in this room tonight, there are the oak trees and there are the mushrooms. Look around you. Look who's around you. Look around you. Some of you know what it is to have people come in and out of your church, in and out of your church. In One day they're on fire. One day they're sitting in the front row. One day they're serving. Next day they're sitting in the back. Next day they're hanging out with the devil in high heels. Mushroom. Look at all your friends. Look at the people that you surround yourself. Are they here one day and gone the next? I hope and pray that you're not one of them because that would make you a field of mushrooms. But if you look at some people in this church, you will see people in this room tonight and in your churches, no matter what the devil has tried to throw at them, they never leave their post. They never rank it on the things of God. They stay in the place that God has called them to be, not only in the good times, but in the tough times as well. You see, Moses took 80 years to develop. 80 years. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. It took him 80 years to develop. I got to tell you something, Victor Irish. We don't got 80 years. Have you seen the condition of the world? Have you seen what we're going through? Have you seen what's going on in America? We don't have 80 years. The Lord is coming back soon. It's time to get to work. It's time to start growing. 
Some of you young people who are not mature yet, it's time to mature right now. This is a season. 2016 is going to be your year of maturity. 2016, you're going to stop playing games. You're going to stop being a mushroom, and you're going to become an oak tree in the house. You're not going to scam on girls, scam on guys no more. You're not going to go out to the club no more. You're not going to say, should I serve God and not serve God? No, you are going to plant yourself in the house of the Lord and say, I will not be moved no matter what. We got to grow. We got to grow. We got to grow. See, when it comes to growth, Moses took 80 years, but Paul it didn't take him 80 years to grow. Paul the apostle, he grew very quickly from the minute God spoke to him and the minute God got a hold of his life. We find that Paul got into a process and let God begin to develop him and let God begin to build him and let God begin to shape him. And that's why God used him greatly. God did a rapid work within his life. And I want to say something to this region. Some of you, God needs to do a faster work in your life, a faster work in our churches, a faster work in our leadership. I wonder why are some of you not licensed yet? Why aren't some of you sent out to take a city yet? What in the world are you waiting for? This is our time. This is our opportunity. Some of you need to leave this service to say, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to yield to the power of the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to let God do what he wants to do in my life. Are you catching this tonight? What areas do we need to develop very quickly? It's not charisma, it's conviction. Okay, we know you're good looking. Enough selfies already. Let's develop your character. Let's, let's develop your charisma now. 1 Timothy chapter 3 talks about the qualifications needed. And let me say this. Not only to the young people, let me say this to the existing leaders and the ministers. We all still have room for areas of growth within our life. You know, some of the hardest people to work with, some of the most challenging people to work with are not just the leaders. It's also the pastors and the ministers. You know why? Because sometimes we think we've got it all together. We think we get, know everything. Well, I, went, I have this degree. Who cares? I have this many years. Well, that's good, but how many know we're still on a journey of growth? We're still in a place where God needs to grow our life. I don't want to become a dinosaur in the house of God. I want to stay relevant. I want to stay on the cutting edge. I want God to continue to challenge me, continue to grow me, continue to mold me. We need leaders in our region who are committed to growth. When I think about one of the areas where we need growth the most, can I just bring it out? It's in our rehab homes. How many thank God for the home? Went through the home. I thank God that when you take a look at the homes in San Diego, we've been really blessed. You know, the guys and the girls and the men and the women that have directed our homes, I could tell you since I've been here, 10 years since I've been here, every home director, men or women's home director we've had is still in the church, still in the church today, still serving God. Let me also say this. Not only are they still serving God, I would say 60% of them are actually now pastoring their own churches. This couple we sent out to El Cajon, they were once our men's and women's home director. But I wonder if every church could say that. If you were to take a look at your home, are your home directors still serving the Lord? Or have they backslidden? Are they there one day and on fire and gotcha, but then now they're not in the church no more? What's happening with our home directors? What's even our women's home directors? I thank God that our women's home directors, one of the women that directed at home for a long time, Martha Cruz, she's still in the church today, still being used by God. Christina Reese, who directed our winter, still in the church today, still went out to Africa. She's still in the church today. What's going on? We need to 
create more stability in the leadership of our region. And pastors, you know what we need to do? We need to start taking a look at our homes. Start taking a look. Are the directors making it or are they shucking and jiving in the home? Are they compromising? They might be gifted. They might know how to raise money and make the budget. But where are they, where are they spiritually? Are they growing? Or are they here one day and gone the next? Let me tell you something about the home. I may not know a lot about the home because I haven't been through the home myself. Although, I'm, you know, it doesn't take a lot to figure out the home. But I may have never gotten the home. I never, may have never gone through the home because I asked pastor if I go through the home when I was younger. And he said, no, brother, you ain't going to the home. Maybe he didn't want his daughter you know, to marry a guy from the home. I don't know what the <laughs> logic was. I may not know a lot about the home because I haven't been through myself. But one thing I do know is the homes deserve our best. My spiritual sons are running our home. Chris and Anna, they're running our home. Johnny and Lisa, they're running our home. Martine and Angela have run our home. Gary and April have run our home. Christina, our spiritual daughter, has run our home. We need to give our homes the best because God wants to raise up men and women out of our rehab. How can we inspire the men and the women in the home if the home directors are backsliding? What about our family situation? How many of you want to grow? How many didn't come to get cotton candy tonight? One of the hardest things for a leader is to be in the front of the ministry and have to go home to internal struggles. Be up here, praise the Lord. You know how it happens is that you're driving to church and you get in a fight in the car. You shut up. No, 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 you be quiet. You better be quiet. You woman, submit right now. Be quiet. You know what? Who? I'm the shut up. No, you shut up. No, you you're a rebel. No, you're a rebel. You know what? And you and then, and then you pull up to the church over the door. Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> Driving up, the kids are in the back. You horrible kids, you're hitting them. Come up, praise the Lord. Hey, sister, God bless you. Hey, pastor, how, how are things going? Oh, things are great. Church is over. Get in the car, drive home. You shut up. No, that sermon was for you. No, that message was for you. It's time to grow. It's time to build our character. If we're going to see this vision wrap itself around the world we need families that will serve god together i know there's a lot of young families here and sometimes we come to church and we tell the pastor no i we, we can't pastor because our kids have school well your pastor's kids have school too what are you talking about no, but we want our kids to do good in school. Now, we can't get involved because our kids are at school and our kids, and you know, we can't, you know, we, we don't want them to be in the ministry because the ministry is going to mess them up. I see that happening in young people. How many deal with that? You know, Victor Arch is good for me, but it's not good for my kids. You know, I can't think of a greater example in our church of a family that said, we're not just going to serve God as a couple, but we're going to serve God as a family. But one of those key families in our church is the Pittman family. A lot of you know them. Howard and Regina, Shana Brown, Matthew Brown. Now their son is on the drums, little Howard. 
You know what? They're in the church every day. Their kids, when they were small, used to fall asleep under the pew, fall asleep at Denny's, fall asleep at Red Robin. Come on, somebody. They would be out late on a Sunday night, and you would have to resurrect them to get to church on Sunday morning. But I thank God that we have young people in our church that have never put a needle in their arm. They don't know what a cigarette tastes like. They've never had to drink a beer because they determined in their heart that they're going to serve God as a family and some of you mom and dad some of you young people need to make that determination in your heart that you are going to serve God as a family what about our singles are there any singles now you're like amen here it comes guys you got to date a, a girl that Loves God more than she loves you. You say, Pastor, how have you been able to make it all these years? You've been through a lot of heavy stuff. Because I have a wife that loves God more than she loves me. I have a woman that loves God and knows how to pray and knows how to go to the Lord in tough times. And you know what? She even knows how to pray for me when I'm not feeling good and I don't feel like prayer. I hear that voice praying. Oh, I pray for my husband. Lord, you better convict him and deal with him. And something happens. The Holy Ghost comes over my life because I chose a woman that loves God more than me. she's fine too some of you ladies if you have a guy here that he doesn't love your church he don't love God he don't love your church he don't love your pastor he's walking out always making comments about the church and comments about the you know what you need to do tonight in fact he's probably not even here tonight you need to call him up and say, guess what? I'm dumping you, and I'm going to be single in 26. And I'm letting you go. I don't care how good looking you are. I'm letting you go because I know that God has a man of God in sport for me. There's a calling on my life. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, somebody. Let me give you the last one. Which one should I give? <laughs> Let me give you the second thing we need in Victor. Not only do we need to look for those who are developing character, but secondly, we need visionary and inspirational and motivational leadership. Let me just say this to you guys. There are some boring leaders out there. Boring. They get up behind the pulpit and they start speaking and you start hitting switches. Huh? Come on. And they always, can I speak in the home? They don't let you speak in the home because you're so boring. And it's amazing how the boring leaders always want ministry. I would say a lot of the ones that come out to say, Pastor, I need to meet with you. Can I meet with you? Put me in the ministry. Give me a ministry. Put me in the ministry. And I look and say, bro, I can't put you in the ministry because you're so boring. How do you know they're boring? Look at how they sit in church. Now, you don't see them, but preachers, we see them. You're preaching your heart out. You're sweating. You're spitting. You're trying to give good illustrations. Everyone's laughing. Some of you are faking it right now. You're trying to act like you're not boring, but you, you're boring most of the time. 
Let me in the ministry. They lean back in the chair. They got their arm up. They're on their phone. Face. You think we can't see you Facebooking each other? I see your phone. I know what the white screen with the blue strip is. That's Facebook. That's not the Bible. Put me in the ministry. Put me in the ministry. Ladies, checking your makeup. I know all these tricks. Boring. Dead leaders. How do you know someone's a leader or not? Look to see who's following them. Is anyone following them? They walk in church. Always by them. Never have no one following them. No one, no one ever in their car, but they want a parking space, but ain't no one. They can't even get their wife to come to church, bro. And you... My wife was telling me the other day, you can always tell the leaders who don't pray. You're right. They're boring. They don't pray. They have no prayer life. It doesn't look like they've ever fasted in the history of their walk with God. They're always in the restaurants. Everyone's winning souls. They're at the taco truck. Boring leaders. We can't take the world. We can't accelerate the vision with boring leaders. We need leaders that have vision. We need leaders that have passion. We need leaders that are on fire for God. Boring. They're not even on Facebook, on Twitter, Nala. <laughs> now, some of you follow me, and you know I tweet a lot. I Facebook a lot. Every day, I at least try to do one. Why? Because, man, I got, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm not boring. I'm excited about my church. I had one pastor, well, you always with Victor Harris, Victor Harris, San Diego, VUSD. But, but, but brother, don't, don't hate on me because your church is boring. I like my church. <laughs> Check out our services. Check us out. This happened. That happened. Hey, I was with the Chargers yesterday. Don't hate on me. I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. <laughs> Boring leaders. We need leaders that have passion, that have a contagious spirit. We need leaders that when you say, how's the church going? Man, the church is exploding. We need leaders that would say, how was the message on Sunday? You just say, that was all right, you know, it was all right. Man, don't get out of here, man. We need leaders that are going to put their best foot out there. We need leaders that have enthusiasm. We need leaders that when they come to church, they don't come just to have church, just for a religious experience. We need leaders that are wanting to get into contact with the Holy Spirit and to run with this vision all over the world. We need leaders who have goals. You know what gets people excited? Goals. Goals. Look at Jaber and ask him, do you have any goals? Any goal, any goals. Boring leaders have no goal. Boring, they're boring, they're so boring. No goals. This year you need goals. Some of you need to say, man, I'm going to get involved in that Victor Outreach Bible School, man. I'm going to further my education. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow my mind. I'm going to grow myself. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. Some of you need to have a goal to get out of debt. You know what? I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to give to God what belongs to him. And you know what? I'm going to get out of financial debt. You got to get some goals. Some of you got to say, I'm going to lose some weight this year. That's a goal. That's a good goal, man. That's a, I'm, I'm just in the gym tomorrow, people. You know, I'm going to lose some weight because when you feel good about yourself, you'll feel good about everybody else. But if you don't feel good about you, you're going to hate on everybody. <laughs> Boring leaders. 
Some of you got to step out by faith and say, this is the year where I become that disciple that God has called me to be. I become that servant that God has called me to be. I'm going to call my pastor every day. Do you need anything? I'm going to text him. Do you need anything? I'm here to serve. And if he sends you over the border, come on, somebody. You're going to do whatever he asks you to do because you have goals. Some of you say, man, I'm going to see my kids get saved. Or I'm going to see my marriage go to another level. Or I'm going to begin to build this Bible study or build this church or build my area of ministry. We need to have spiritual goals. You see? And we've got to get, we've got to learn how to get other people excited. Let me give you the final thing. Did you get something tonight? All right, it's getting late, so I want to go ahead and give you the final thing. Come on, give God a good praise. I'm done. Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to accelerate the vision? The final thing is we need growing leaders. Very simple. And to be a part of what God is doing, we've got to constantly be growing. Understand that it's, it's a journey and it never stops. Say it never stops. And I believe that there should be a divine dissatisfaction in our heart every time we walk into the house of the Lord. That every time we come in, we say, man, I'm not satisfied with where I am spiritually. I want to get to another level. How do we grow? Number one, we grow through prayer and the word. Listen, don't try to grow until you start praying. Don't try to grow until you start spending time with the Lord. You know what we kind of need is we need more of a strong emphasis on prayer. We're going into a brand new year. And if you really want to accomplish great things for God, you've got to start in prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. You know what I, I believe some of us need to do in our church? Because how many want to see your church grow? Some of us, you know what we need to do? We need to gather together, maybe with a few people. No flyer. Come on, no, no official calendar dates. Just come into agreement with a few people and say, we're going to pray together on Tuesdays. We're going to gather together. God doesn't need a whole army to get things done. He just needs a few people to light a fire. And you know what we need in our churches is we need some of you to get out of that comfort zone and get with just one or two people and say, let's have a prayer meeting. I don't know what you're going to pray about. Maybe you're going to pray for your kids that are out there in the world. Maybe you're going to pray for revival to break out of your church. Maybe you're going to pray for finances to come. Maybe you're going to pray that God will raise you. I don't know what you're going to pray for, but get together and watch how that little flame turns into a fire and that fire turns into an inferno and begins to break out in your church we need some of you to stop just working for the Lord and start praying to the Lord and start saying, Lord, I can't do it without your anointing. I can't do it without your spirit. Also, we need to grow in our intellectual maturity. We need to ask the Lord to grow our mind. Maybe this is the year you get involved in Vetti. Maybe this is the year you get involved in training yourself and Start building your skill. Let me tell you this. We're not going to do it on your testimony alone. Your testimony might open doors, but then eventually you're going to need skills to build the ministry. We need some more skillful leaders. We need some more skillful leaders to rise up. The third thing we need is we need those that will grow in their emotional maturity. I believe there's many of us here tonight that in the past you're led too much by your emotions. Your emotions take the lead in your life. You do everything based on how you feel, based on what's going on in your life in that very moment. And we need to be careful not to be led by our emotions. See, sometimes we fail because we allow emotion to reign in our life. And understand this is that you're going to face some certain things. You're going to come up against opposition. Let me just tell you this. Opposition is crouching at your door. As soon as you leave this service, there's going to be opposition. It could be waiting at your car. It could be waiting when you get home. It could be waiting for you when you get up in the morning because it's amazing how the minute you make a decision to go forward in the things of God, all of a sudden opposition rises up against you. 
As long as you stay where you're at, the devil doesn't mess with you. But the minute you choose to step out for God, that's when you are attacked. That's when you, the people come against you. That's when people reject you. Let me just tell you something that's going to happen. You're going to face rejection. There are going to be certain people that no matter what you do, hear me and hear me clear, I don't care how many times you take them to eat. I don't care how many times you compliment them and their kids, even if their kids are ugly. No matter what you do, they're still never going to like you. What did Jesus say? When you go to a town that's not open, dust off your feet and go on to the next town. Because for every one person that doesn't like you, there's 10 people that are going to fall in love with you. Come on now. You're going to face criticism. You're going to be criticized no matter what you do. This is why we've got to grow in our emotional maturity. People are going to criticize. They're going to, they're going to criticize you. The, you, know, it, you know, if you've been in church a little while, they're going to criticize you. You come to church looking like a slob, they're going to criticize you. You go buy some new clothes, they're going to say, oh, I don't know what kind of clothes are they wearing. They should be wearing like that. They're going to criticize you when you're doing good. You get that Bible study, up to 10 people, 15 people. Woo, you're doing good. You're feeling good. They're going to create. Well, the only reason they have 10, 50 people is because they serve food and they bring pizza and they pick up everything. And they have 15, 10 of those people are their cousins and their uncles and their aunts. And this one. Haters, haters, haters. But then if that Bible study goes down to two people. Well, the reason they don't, they, they shrunk because they don't preach good. And they're not good. And they don't have to go. And did you hear about it? They're going to hate you when you're doing good, and they're going to hate you when you're doing bad. So you might as well just do what God has called you to do and keep your eye on the vision. Tell your neighbor, stay focused. Tell them, grow up. Listen, you're going to be rejected. You're going to be criticized. You're going to come into conflict. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to suffer delaying your life. For God says, wait, it's not your time. But when you are developing in your emotional maturity, you know that the God who called you is faithful. You know the God that chose you will come through in his timing and not ours. So I've got a word for you before I let you go tonight. Don't give up on the vision. Don't give up on serving God. Don't give up on leadership. Keep on pressing when you don't feel like pressing anymore. As they come to the keyboard, how many are ready for 2016 to be the best year in your leadership you've ever had? As you stand tonight, what about trials and tribulations? If we're going to be leaders who accelerate the vision, we've got to learn all these things. But also understand that there's going to be trials. Everyone say trials. How many have ever been through trials? You know, we have a lot of young people that they're so excited. In our church, they love to come up and dance, and they're dancing. It looked like Mexican jumping beans. <laughs> and it blesses me. But sometimes when I'm going through trials, I get mad at them. Like, your day's coming, young buck. <laughs> I know you're excited now, but young buck, your every dog has his day. How many know what it is to be in the doghouse? But one thing I've learned about one thing I've learned about trials and tribulations is that they're good for us. The psalmist said, it is good for me to be afflicted. He also went on to say, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. 
And I don't know where you've been. Amen. You can give him praise. I believe that's a beautiful scripture. I don't know where you've been. But I know that no matter what you've been through, you're still here. I look out here in our region tonight, and I know many of you. I may not spend a lot of time with you, but I know you. I know your face. You're at every event. You're at every conference. Every time we have a need in the ministry, you rise up to answer that call, to answer that need. And I thank God for you. But one thing I've learned that if we're going to accelerate this vision, we can't get stuck. We've got to be willing to let the Lord grow us and build us again. And I'm right there with you. I've had, I've had some tough times. And I can make a choice whether I'm going to just stay where I'm at or I'm going to follow the Lord into the next season of my life. And, you know, my wife and I, we've determined that we're not going to stay where we're at. My little girl, Rizzy, she's my hero. What this little girl has been through in five months. She's not the strongest kid I know. She's the strongest person I know. And to see how she's bounced back so quickly and continues to bounce back tells me I can't afford to stay where I'm at. I've got to keep on growing. And tonight, if you're here and I don't know what your rank in the church is, but all I know is that your heart is open. And if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm ready to grow. I want to accelerate this vision. I don't want to hinder the growth of my church. I don't want to hinder the growth of this vision. I want to be a part of what God wants to do. I see the future. I see great things. Then I want you to slip out of your, out of your seat. And I want you to try to make this altar call if you can. And I want to begin to pray. And, and I believe this is going to be like a prayerful altar call.